The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Welcome back to the other wrestling show. It's it's a miracle. We're here. We're recording once again. Mike, how are you? Sorry, my audio is being really weird. We're like the intro music didn't fade away. It was still blasting in my ears, so I could barely hear you. But yeah, dude, two weeks in a row recording basically on time. I'm proud of us. Is this not three? Three? Isn't it three? Because didn't we talk about how unusual it was that we did two in a row last week? Either way, two, three in a row. We're we're cooking. We're cooking with fire. So we're cooking with oil. I don't even know the phrase. But gas, I think, is yeah. what you're looking cooking for. With gas. I got it wrong twice. <laughs> yeah, and it's fine. All right. Well, Joel, let's uh, let's just dive right into it. Stock up, stock down. Had kind of a fun dynamite this week. I, I had a good time watching it. I fall into this habit of not watching Rampage until Wednesday. <laughs> Okay. And so then like I'll watch Rampage and then have a little break and then watch Dynamite and it's working out pretty well. I don't feel like I'm getting spoilers or anything and uh for the most part it's been a fun way to do things, but it does mean I might reference some things that happened on Rampage because I'm watching it on the same night. Uh, but the the show kicked off with our first topic, which was a really fun match between Brody King and Darby Allen, which consisted primarily of Darby Allen being ragdolled into every object available. Mike, what did you think of this match? Yeah, that's putting it lightly. Um, we've seen Darby kind of work from below in basically every match he's had in AEW. This might have been the most extreme. He was just getting chucked all around the ring. There was one point where he kind of was doing like a Claudio like swing, swinging him around and just, just kind of like launched him into the ropes. And I'm like, that didn't look like it was like how it was supposed to go, because Darby kind of just like racked like right into that middle rope. But um, they're really doing a good job of presenting Brody King as a monster. You know, Joel, what was one of our big topics when AEW first started? Body diversity across the divisions and Brody King stands out just from the sheer size and power and also just the way that he works. Everything he was doing in the ring was devastating. I know he kept doing those like senton drops onto Darby numerous times. Like I don't care that it's wrestling and you're like, it's you minimize the pain. Just having a guy that big drop on you like four or five times in a row, that's going to knock the air out of you. Um, I mean, there's some things that you can't, do without you know some pain involved and i I think you're right with the style piece with brody i think that's really what sets him apart is that he works big and i think because of the style in aew where it's focused on the high flying the athletics the more acrobatic style um sometimes called a more gymnastic style of of pro wrestling i think a lot of the guys who are larger don't work like big guys you know and i think that's something where brody king you feel his size when he's in the ring the way that he moves around the the way he throws his body into moves like john moxley works bigger than a lot of the quote-unquote big guys in AEW, just because of his kind of physical brawling style i think brody king is a guy who 
has a similar style and is able to really throw his body into things and make it look impactful when he crunches you, which he does on a regular basis. And he's a very big guy. Um, I also think it helps that he's not like super shredded. Like, yeah, you got a little dad bod going on, you know, it, he kind of reminds me of, of Kevin Owens in terms of, you know, they're bigger guys. They can work big when they need to, but like also like Brody King doing like cannonballs into the yep. corners mm-hmm. and, or off the, the ring mat, you know, it's, it's a bigger guy with agility, but it's still a big guy and he's bigger than KO. But like when I'm looking at who I, his in ring style compares to, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, and I, I like that he's been getting this little mini push, you know, on his title card to an entrance card tonight. It said winner of the first Royal. What was it? Like Royal Rampage. Royal Rampage. Yeah. Royal Rampage. Um, you know, that was a big spot. That was when we were kind of having issues recording on time and him winning. That was a big deal. And, you know, he could have had his moment against Moxley and kind of faded back to just being the muscle for Malachi Black. But he seems to kind of be taking like a center role here in this little storyline that's going on with Sting and Darby um, where it kind of feels like Malachi Black is also is kind of playing more of a supporting role. Um, but yeah, it's it's great because we we talked about like the impact of Brody King when he signed a few months ago. And now we're really starting to see what he can bring outside of the occasional tag match with Malachi Black. I like Malachi Black being kind of in this big bad role where you don't even get to think about fighting Malachi Mm -hmm. Black unless you've dealt with his minions first. And as the chief minion, Brody King has really established himself as a powerhouse on this little singles run that he's having. And, you know, with so many injuries, I know it's something we've we've harped on a lot. We'll probably continue to talk about it. With so many injuries, there are going to be opportunities for the Brody Kings of AEW to step up, get these high profile matches and get to do something more interesting. Uh, I would love to see Brody King, you know, keep winning matches and face off with Wardlow for the TNT title. I think that would be a really fun matchup to see Mm -hmm. two big, strong, physical guys um, who can both, you know, do some really athletic stuff. I mean the swanton that wardlow hits like he can cross three quarters of the ring on that dive i mean it's pretty wild so um crazy athleticism crazy strength and power from those two guys and i'd love to see them square Mm -hmm. off i'm I'm enjoying also too just kind of the where the house of black has kind of settled on the card they don't need titles they don't need to be involved in the tag team title scene or any individual titles they're kind of becoming like this upper mid card, you know, group that you can have a solid story with. You know, we've been seeing that kind of build up with Darby Allen and sting here recently. There's some stuff going on with the redeemer Miro who showed up post match with a patch over one of his eyes with this. If you notice that, um, and it just, this is stuff that you need this. You need like a good group. That's kind of in the middle of the card that can give you, you know, meaningful matches and important storyline without having to be involved with a title or a tournament or something, you know, it's just like, Hey, we're assholes and we're dark and scary and we're going to beat you up and take you out. Like it works. And if we get a cinematic match between sting Allen and the house of black, I think that could be really, really fun with a lot of kind of goofy potential, not goofy. Goofy is not the right word, but you could have some very like kind of sci-fi horror, 
goofy elements to it if uh, they decide to go in that direction. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. Um, but for now, I'm just kind of enjoying the ride. And, um, you know, we'll see what comes next. I think the other thing that we wanted to get to right off the top was uh, the main event. You know, when you have a big feature stipulation match like this, it, it behooves us to to talk about it. And Mike, I know you have strong feelings about this one. So talk to me about barbed wire everywhere. Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho and company. So first off, I just love all the random shit that had barbed wire on it was really funny. Like the microphone, the ring bell. I don't know if you noticed the inflatable sharks on stage were wrapped in barbed wire. Um, I thought that was an interesting, funny kind of subtle take on, yeah, there's barbed wire everywhere. And, you know, I have no qualms with the match. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, some of the spots they were doing, like just also seeing like, um, Eddie Kingston's back just shredded from the barbed wire. Like his black back was bleeding basically from like the get go. Um, I, I really just like, I, I want this feud to end and I don't think Jericho winning puts the bow on this feud. And I don't want this to go any longer because it's been going on for fucking months. And that's my only qualm. I would have like Eddie's the most over guy in the company. Give him this big win. Like we've talked about before that he's kind of always come out, you know, I'm at on the bottom in these big matches. You know, he had that, feud with CM Punk he had a mini feud with Moxley like this was a big time feud that I felt if he got the win you can put put this feud behind you Jericho appreciation side he can go move on to other things Eddie can go you know fuck up Daniel uh, Brian Danielson if he wants when he comes back but it just feels like the heels winning and the way they did that we're just we're in for another month of this and I don't know if I care (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i think the question that i have is where do you go from here like if this isn't the conclusion and frankly they're even right now um Mm -hmm. because they had their previous singles match where jericho was supposed to shake eddie kingston's hand and then you know refused to after the match was over with and so you know it's their second high profile singles match they're one and one so it does feel like yeah, we're going to get a rubber match here. But what do you do? Like, do you go to like an I quit stipulation? Do you come well, up with something? Thing. It escalated possibly... to a barbed wire yeah, match. I know. Like, I agree. That's, that's what I'm weird. saying. Like, what's above that? That's the question I'm asking right now is like, and, where and do you AW, go? There isn't really anything above that. Like, they haven't had a feud that's had like, you know, we always talk about in with WWE, how the hell in the cell. Okay, this is how you end. Sorry, maybe how you used to end feuds. Maybe not now with how they employ Hell in a Cell every year. But when we were younger, the Hell in a Cell was the end. You know, it usually didn't do another match after that. So there isn't anything above a barbed wire match. The last barbed wire match we saw was with Omega and Moxley. And I don't believe they had another title match one on one after that. So it's just kind of what is what, what is there left? Maybe we just get Mimosa Mayhem too between these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I I don't know. And so, like, let's look at some other things about the match. Like, the Anna J turn you could see from a mile away. Like, I don't know if if that was considered clever. I thought it was just meh. And also, if you're the whole point is to make sure that the 
the shark boys don't come into the match, why are you just having the remote at ringside? Where apparently all it takes is one punch to get it. Yeah. <laughs> that that whole bit, like I, I like the end product, which is Anna Jay and Ty Conti back together. I think they're both better together than they are individually. Mm-hmm. Um and if this means we see more Ty Conti with Anna Jay and less Ty Conti with Sammy Guevara, I think that's a net positive for everyone involved. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I agree. Like the whole shark cage thing, when you have that as a stipulation, there is this concept of how are they going to escape? And I, I'm I'm far more interested in them finding a clever way out of it than just, oh, we lowered the cage. And I like that the key didn't work and that Daniel Garcia was like, I'm skinny. <laughs> I'm just going to you know go between these bars. And I thought that was really fitting for his character, too, to be like, screw this. I'm not waiting around for the lock to get undone. Like, I'm going to find my way out of here. That seems like something he would do. Uh, so I did like that. But then it like the whole they weren't down. even that far off the ground. Like they could have escaped 15 minutes earlier and just like thrown Hager on the ground and used him as like a landing pad. Like, I mean, Hager wasn't fitting through those bars, though. <laughs> no, no, no. But it just he, he's a I big, broad shouldered man. That wasn't happening. Daniel <laughs> Garcia, like he is scrawny. That's why he could get through. Yeah. And I'm just like, it just makes the baby faces look so stupid because, you know, Sammy Guevara is in the group I'm like, huh? Should we run all these guys out of the ring or should we maybe wait and see if this fucker comes out? Like, like, yeah, the best use of the shark cage to me was in the uh, TM61 and Authors of Pain match mm-hmm. in NXT where Tully Blanchard was in the shark cage and like they ended up using it as a prop because it was like directly at ringside. Mm-hmm. And so I remember like, Shane Thorne climbing up on the apparatus and jumping off of it at one point. And like, that was cool. But in general, I think the shark cage thing is silly. And, you know, we talked about this weeks ago, but like, oh no, AEW is partnering with shark week. There's going to be shark week (laughs) programming integrated into AEW. We're going to see some stupid shit. We just did. That was the stupid shit that we foretold. Um, So Mm -hmm. You know, I like the inflatable sharks and that's like that was fun. That was cool. Nyla Rose in a shark costume. Yeah, like, like all of that stuff is the is foam great. thin hats they had people wearing at ringside. Fun. Yeah. And like any annoying heel just put a stupid fin hat on them. And now they're even more annoying and stupid. It's great. <laughs> but the shark cage piece was like, ugh. Yeah. So. You know, and you know they're going to escape, right? Like, mm-hmm. that is the climax of the match, is it looks like our 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 hero is going to win. I mean, shoot, we should have known going into this that Eddie was going to lose because the Jericho Appreciation <sighs> Society was in a shark cage. Like, we should have known. Like, it, it, and it feels like this is the time where you really could use a Hell in a Cell-like structure where you literally can't escape and people can't come in and you just get to fuck each other up um, one-on-one because... Honestly, it's just every match seems like there's interference in this in this story. And I'm just like, just give me the get me to the finish and let's move on. Like if they want to stretch this, can they stretch this to all out? Can they take this another six weeks? I mean, possibly. I don't think that's outside uh, of the realm of possibility. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I will say, like, I'm 
I'm not necessarily I'm not bored with this the way I've been bored with other feuds that we've seen in the past. Like this is not we're not into inner circle pinnacle territory where well, like I was so like, the great dear thing, God, get me out of here as quickly <laughs> as possible. Like the that, great thing about that story is like this time last year we were kind of out and then they did the labors of Jericho, which was great. But it went from being like a pinnacle uh, inner circle feud to being a Jericho MJF Mm-hmm. feud so if they can somehow turn this to okay let the other guys in both factions go do their shit and this really is jericho eddie kingston on a class you know crash course for the final match okay maybe they can do it but just the constant like gang warfare it's and it's we've been doing gang warfare with chris jericho for three fucking years like that's true i mean he's he's had his little factions the entire time i i think you know, part of the problem is like Eddie Kingston as a part of his character doesn't have friends, right? So it's not like you have the people to make a run in. And so what they need is for the Jericho Appreciation Society to accrue some enemies. Like we're not necessarily here to help Eddie, but we are here to attack you. And we got a little bit of that with the Blackpool Combat Club. So there's a little bit of that rivalry still going Mm -hmm. on there. But like, we need something that separates Eddie and Chris Jericho from everybody else. And like to truly get this one-on-one definitive end the feud so that they can both move on to other things, sort of a match. Um, But I think part of the reason why some of these angles are going on longer is because we're maybe stalling until a Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, CM Punk, like mm-hmm. until one of them is ready to step in and, and be in one of these spots. Yeah. And speaking of that, a report came out today that they all out is kind of the the target date for all three to come back, which, man, that would be a nice shot in the arm to get all three of those guys back for what I consider the biggest AEW pay-per-view of the year. I know they don't agree with me, but I look at all out as the big one. Um, so yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to have those, uh, the big one that they never build to. (laughs) I know, man, it's really weird that like revolution is the big one, bro. I'm sorry. I know, but it should be all out. Like Chicago's like their home base, essentially. Like they've run the most events ever in Chicago. The freebie show all out is the, we're going to have a good crowd because we're in Chicago and we don't have to build this and make people anticipate it because it's going to sell out in four seconds and everybody's going to be nuts the whole time anyway. So I mean, like they don't have to gone to all out. I get it. it. <laughs> I get it. So yeah, it's man. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on here. Um, do you want to go to lightning round or do you want to cover this Luchasaurus stuff in in stock up stock down oh yeah we can we can spend a little time talking about luchasaurus honestly i don't know that we need a lightning round this week i think we can talk about luchasaurus and then uh maybe do a little bit of preview of this weekend's ring of honor pay-per-view sounds good yeah um well he's back jungle boy returns looking all sad and conflicted and you know i how i fantasy booked this in my head is that Jungle Boy would come back. He would have to overcome the Luchasaurus of it all. And then you'll go into a match with Christian for, say, All Out. Um, kind of nice little swerve, though. Jung- Luchasaurus kind of got out of the way. And Jungle Boy, like Tom and Jerry, just chased Christian out of the arena. 
And I don't know if you saw Joel, he's still chasing him now. They're just going to chase him all the way to Worcester next week. So they're just running up <laughs> the Eastern seaboard. Luckily, Christian has a good step on him, so he's not going to get caught. But <laughs> what do you think of Jungle Boy's return and kind of where they could possibly go from here? So I like this segment because I think it left things really wide open. We didn't see a hard commitment from Luchasaurus either direction. Like he didn't confront Jungle Boy and attack him, but he also didn't join Jungle Boy and going after Christian. So I think there's still some room here for this to be a bit of a bait and switch. We don't know if he's realigning with Jungle Boy or if he's going to continue to be this monster that does the bidding of Christian and that Christian being the evil mastermind that he is, is, you know, using this whole situation to his advantage and trying to gain the upper hand by deceiving Jungle Boy into thinking Luchasaurus is back on his side. So I think there's a lot of different directions they can go from here. And I like that. We created a question here in this segment, which is what is up with Luchasaurus? We thought we knew, we thought he was this evil monster doing the bidding of Christian. And now it's a little bit ambiguous, but in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I hope this builds up to the, the Christian jungle boy match. I feel like, you know, I, I mentioned months ago that jungle boy really needs that kind of definitive single story, not just a win, but a single story that goes beyond, Hey, I'm really good at wrestling. I'm on the pillars. Let's go. Um, overcoming your former mentor who used you, who used you for money, who insulted your family, you know, called you, called, said your dad was being disappointed. In you. Like there's a lot here to make this work. Um, and the Luchasaurus factor is a, a wild card and how this goes. Um, and this is a story I have no problem stretching five, six weeks tall out. Cause I feel like there's a lot there, you know, give us one of those JR sit downs with both of them backstage. And just like, let, let him go. And th- this is a really important stretch for Jungle Boy because what's been our biggest, you know, issue with him as a, an AW, it's, it's the, it's the promo work. It's getting us to care about what you're saying, delivering what you're saying in a convincing, you know, not robotic fashion. Um, this is it. Like he has to step up. This has to be the moment where it starts to, you know, feel natural or an, and, and organic. So I'm curious and excited to see um, how he does in all this. Cause there's nothing, nothing, nothing. His in-ring work is not going to keep him from being a mega star. It's, it's all the other stuff. So yeah, I'm excited. I think Darby Allen has demonstrated that you can be shit on the mic and still be on top in AEW. So, you know, the ceiling is already pretty high for him, but if he can put that together and really, deliver some solid promos, especially in what should be like, there should be some easy home run promos Mm -hmm. in this feud, because like, I I think if you're jungle boy, you can go to a very real place. And like, if someone said that shit about my mom and my dad and my sister, like what would be my reaction? How would I respond to that? And like dig into some of that anger And then the betrayal that he, his character, his experience, like we can all relate to someone stabbing us in the back on some level at some point in our lives. So like reach for that and Mm -hmm. use that to fuel the promo. I need some emotion. I need some fire. Like let's get something beyond a quickly delivered line 
that, I mean, granted, there's been some improvement. Jungle Boy has gotten better. Mm -hmm. I know you and I are not on the same page as to the degree that he has gotten better. (laughs) Um, I'm probably a little higher on him than you are. Mm -hmm. But I I think this is a real opportunity. Yeah, and we always talk about like how a veteran wrestler can carry a younger, greener wrestler through a match. The same can be said in a story. And if you're embarking on kind of your first major solo story, not a bad person to be across from in Christian Cage. <laughs> like, like he and we know the guy that Christian Cage is behind the scenes too. In a non kayfabe world, he's gonna work with Jungle Boy on how to frame his promos, what he's gonna say, how they can make Jungle Boy, you know, look like a bigger star. Like, I feel confident from that side of things. So yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. This is, you know, we. I like title matches and title feuds can be fun, but man, give me a good, good backstabbing story like this where it can just be like revenge. It's, it's going to be fun. So right, you want, you want to move on to a, a ring of honor lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. Lightning round. All right. Well, if you're living under a rock, uh, death before dishonor is this, Saturday from Lowell, Massachusetts. Yo, I'll be there. Woohoo. I expected a better reaction than that. Um, I don't have a soundboard. I can't like play applause for you or anything. I mean, and and one person clapping into a microphone is not good audio. So, (laughs) all right. Well, um, I don't know if you saw, but Tony Khan had his death before dishonor press media day thing today. Um, And he said that the length of the show and the card is going to be similar to what they had for super card of honor. And just looking at the super of honor card, there were four, what do they call their pre-show? It's like zero hour, I think. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. They kept referencing that tonight. So a uh, death before, uh, sorry. Um, super card of honor had four, uh, dark matches and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, main card matches. So mm-hmm. I've, fully expect the card that we have now to have a few more matches added tomorrow night on rampage um, well, they, and they said as much media uh, yeah that was like a thing that was promoted was like tune into rampage to find out about more matches being announced for mm-hmm. death before dishonor and uh i'm excited about this one we've got seven matches so far that have been revealed and the two that were added most recently are actually really intriguing and i guess mm-hmm. we can start yeah. with those since um you know they're not the ones that have, have been around um, Allison K versus Willow Nightingale in a singles match. No stakes here. Just these two really good wrestlers going out and, and having a match. I don't know how much of Allison K you've seen, uh, but Not she is much. fantastic. I know that she was, uh, I think she had a match. I'm one of the, like against Serena Deeb at some point. I remember. Yes. In AEW. I don't, remember a lot about her um yeah that was when deeb had her um nwa okay um women's championship run and uh, allison k as a former nwa women's champion um challenged her for that belt uh so that was a really good match and uh, a little taste of of just how good she is um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Willow Nightingale is one of my favorite talents associated with AEW at, at mm-hmm. this time. I just get so excited anytime she shows up. I think she's amazing. Like it's so over as a baby face. And that is yeah. so hard to do. When Dynamite was here in Boston, she had that qualif- Owen qualifying match against Red Velvet. 
that and turned she was like, red velvet heel. Yeah. <laughs> in real Willow time. Nightingale was like the most over talent on that show. Like the f- crowd went nuts. And speaking of that Tony Khan media thing, he talked about Willow Nightingale. Um, and he says that he expects her to keep working with both ring of honor and AW. Um, that he's really excited about her growth, um, that she could be a face of a division. Um, and yeah, it sounds like she's going to be kind of working, uh, ring of honor and AEW going forward. And there's just like an energy about her. Like, yeah, she's just like, it, it's not just like personality too. It's how she moves in the ring, how she like goes all out and on it's her moves. little stuff. Like she dropped into a pin and like did a pose like this little resting her, her chin on mm-hmm. her the back of her hand kind of pose that like we're all familiar with we've all seen people do that to be like it's like miming looking cute mm-hmm. um and she does stuff like that and it seems like genuine like this isn't a put-on thing this is a part of at the very least this character but it, it's she's so easy to understand like there are some talents in pro wrestling that you see them one time and you get it Like, I think Orange Mm -hmm. Cassidy is one of those where the character comes across so clearly and she's got that same kind of quality where you don't have to be super familiar with her to immediately recognize, like, this is someone I want to get behind. This is someone I want to see more often. Yeah, she also kind of has just like a a happy to be here, like way about her but not in the way of like oh well i'm just gonna eat pins and lose it's like i'm happy to be here and i'm here to kick ass um kind of reminds me of like mine take away the uh the mental illness of his character but like the initial run of eugene like it just was like a really fun happy guy like some of this like matches yeah, minus were the really... problematic fucked up stuff <laughs> the minus the problematic <laughs> fucked up stuff minus that eugene was great <laughs> but like it's just a similar reaction like you just you want her to win and i can't really explain why you know there's just kind of this inherent you know goodness about her um so yeah i i'm really excited for this match uh i will also be at the show live so i'm really excited that they put together such a insane card and a month um but let's move on to the next match um and joel i don't know much about the righteous i know vincent i know he was part of the kingdom um very familiar with him uh but it's the righteous versus dalton castle and the boys for the ring of honor six-man tag team championship i'm just excited because i'm seeing dalton castle and the boys on my tv or sorry with my eyes like this is yeah. gonna be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited for this one. Obviously, I love Dalton Castle um, and Vinny Marsalia. Uh, currently, Vincent is, is someone who I've really enjoyed. Uh, he's done a lot of different characters. He's really creative, and um, like he did a whole before it was huge again, like the horror movie. Yeah. It he did this whole like red balloon thing. Yep, we and, saw him when he was doing that. Yeah, I mean, just really cool stuff. He's good at being like creepy and giving you this, you know, sense of unease. Uh, And I'm pretty sure the righteous is he's been doing like this cult leader persona type thing. Okay. Um, But less like dark gothic cult and more like hippie cult sort of thing. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but um but yeah, he's a great talent, and I think this will be a really fun match. Um, and, you know, we don't have six-man tag 
belts in AEW, but we do have them in Ring of Honor. And with this close association, we could see some fun stuff mm-hmm. with crossovers and having some cool trios go over to Ring of Honor and compete. So glad this exists. Yeah. And 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 before we move on to the, the next match on this card, um, Lowell has like a really crazy history with ring of honor like they do they would do pay-per-views and tapings there all the time so i i do find it fitting that one of their first you know supercard of honor wasn't really a tony khan show like they had already committed to doing it before he bought it so i I do find it though (laughs) he booked it but I, i do find it interesting that the first show they you know tony's always talking about like respecting the history and you know the lore and Going back to Lowell for the first kind of full Tony Khan AEW show, I think is, is fitting. And it's actually at a bigger venue than usual. They usually do it at the like Memorial Auditorium, which is kind of like a theater. We were there, um, but they're doing it at like one of the colleges where like a minor league hockey team um, plays. So it's actually a decent size. So I'm excited to see what the set looks like, um, kind of the aesthetics of the show. And yeah, but let's move on. Um, I lost my, there it is. Death before dishonor. Okay. Uh, every match on the main card is a championship match right now. Yep. A lot of gold being on, uh, on the line here. Um, a match that I think could probably steal the show based off what we know about these two guys, Will Yuta versus Daniel Garcia. Joel, can you give us a quick overview of what pure rules are? Cause I've only seen a handful of them. I know you have more familiarity with the concept. Yeah, so like we're all familiar with these things that are quote unquote illegal in professional wrestling, right? Like grabbing the hair, punching with a closed fist, like various things that you're not supposed to do, um, throwing someone over the top rope to the outside. Um, these are things that are technically against the rules of professional wrestling, but no ref is going to disqualify you for them. Well, in a pure rules match, you actually have like fouls things that you're not allowed to do and if you do those things you can be disqualified um on top of that and the main thing that that tends to get utilized from a creative perspective in pure rules matches is that you get a grand total of three rope breaks and that is if you are in submission that's if you're being pinned that's if you beg off and you do the whole like duck between the ropes thing to force a break so once you exhaust your three rope breaks, uh, then you don't get any more, which means if your opponent puts you in a submission and you make your way to the ropes, they don't have to release that hold. And it makes for some really interesting matches because the talent have to come up with creative ways to escape things. It mm-hmm. changes the logic of a pro wrestling match. And I think that's something that is really interesting from a psychology perspective. So I love pure rules matches because, you know, obviously you can still have villains that try to find their way to skirting around the referee. Mm -hmm. The referee still has to see something in order to call it in a pure rules match. But, uh, you know, it's, it's very much a thing. Uh, There was a match between, uh, I forget who Jonathan Gresham was facing, but, he wasn't a traditional pure rules wrestler and he ended up losing the match by disqualification because he forgot that he couldn't throw Gresham over the top rope (laughs) and he had already like gotten fouls from, from doing other things. Um, And then, you know, there's also the concept you'll hear this a lot in basketball, right? That you have, you know, you have, 
five fouls to give and one foul to use uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> indicating that like make your last foul count before you're fouled out of the game. And there is an element of that here too, where it's like you might make the choice to intentionally break the rules knowing that the first time you do it isn't going to get you disqualified. Is it worth that one closed fist punch mm-hmm. to then put yourself in a situation where the next infraction might get you DQ'd? So uh, there's a lot of yeah. fun stuff here. Yeah, I'm excited. And I'm looking at the you know, the Wikipedia page for pure wrestling rules. Uh, some of the things that stand out, the title can change hands via disqualification and count out, yep. which is a nice change. Uh, outside interference will result in an automatic termination from the roster for the wrestler that interferes. Okay, we have to get Eddie and Jericho in a pure wrestling match. (laughs) That answers my question. That's how we end this feud. (laughs) That'd be amazing. It's too bad Uh, he's not close with with Wheeler Yuta because like Yuta could be like, hey, I got a solution for you. (laughs) <laughs> we, yeah so i'm excited for this we know what will yuda and daniel garcia can do um they had a match last year before right before i think garcia signed full-time with aw that fans were touting as match of the year six seven yeah, it was like a candidate. 60 minute match wasn't it yeah um so it, it's gonna be interesting because we've only seen will yuda and daniel garcia recently in these like barbaric you know blood and guts so to go from that to a pure rules match i think is a fun um shifts and i'm i'm really excited for this match i i mm. yeah yeah this one's gonna be really really fun um I, I think possibly the headliner of this show i don't think it'll be the main event but the headliner of this show in my mind is the ftr and mm-hmm. briscoe's two out of three falls i love two out of three falls as a stipulation yeah. Like, yeah, I'm such a sucker for it because like ultimately after the first two falls, the third one is just, you know, a regular match. But it the the opportunities for like great storytelling and like all the great two out of three falls matches that we've seen in the past, if it's done well, it's going to be so good. And I can't imagine FTR and the Briscoes pulling off anything here other than a just sensational performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I want to really quick just mention ftr's promo tonight uh tonight last night with dax wheeler's the da- <laughs> dax hallwood talking about how he wants to fight like a girl you know and told the story um yeah. that was wow there's there's something really special going on right now with ftr and just the connection with the crowd um oh i mean like dax has become like one of the five best wrestlers on the roster (laughs) like full stop who is better than dax harwood right now i will wait to give you five better than him i don't know if i can give you five i mean active roster right now i don't Um, think active anybody is better than dax harwood at the moment like the matches he's had have been flawless this year yeah, he is still he's in the lead for my wrestler of the year. Like, Absolutely. Like if he won the Owen, it would have cemented it. <laughs> he could have he could have taken the rest of the year off if he won the Owen and he still would be my wrestler of the year. So um, but yeah, it's it's just really fun. And this match is going to be wild. Um, you know, we've seen the Briscoes a bunch of times. They're <laughs> they're a fun team. Um, and yeah, I I'm probably going to try and watch Supercard of Honor before saturday because i didn't actually watch it i just saw some highlights and stuff um i definitely want to see their first match from that show and kind of see what we're dealing so with. so good so but yeah let's move on um 
I always like it. I always, I always find it interesting when a wrestler can carry a story by himself or herself for a while. Um, Jay Lethal versus Samoa Joe. We haven't seen Joe in a long time. He's filming the new Twisted Metal series. Oh. Um, he's playing the body of what's the clown's name? Like Sweet Tooth? Dude, I don't know. Yeah, so he's playing the body and Never then Will Nets doing the I'm voice. Familiar oh, with those, them, but... uh, Twisted Metal 2 is super fun. Um, like legitimately, like I had it on PlayStation. It was such a fun game. But anywho, he's been gone filming that. And I've really liked Jay Lethal with Sanjay Dutt da- da- and uh, Satsum Singh these last few months. And I'm ready for this match. Like, this has been going on a long time. And I know schedules and the movie and TV shows can impact that. But um, I just think this will just be a, a slobber knocker. We're quoting uh, JR. Just these two guys going to beat the shit out of each other. Um, I know we're not doing predictions, but I really do think that this is one of the titles that I could see change hands with Jay Lethal taking that belt and kind of running with it on both AW and Ring of Honor TV. I think it's really hard not to feel that way right now because all we've been seeing is Jay Lethal. Mm-hmm. And like going into this show, it's like, well, yeah, of course it's going to be Jay Lethal. We're seeing so much Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal's getting so much time. And it because Joe is unavailable. I think that kind of skews our our feelings in that direction. I have no idea really on any <laughs> of these matches, right? Like we're not having weekly television to get the vibes and the feel mm-hmm. of like which direction the booking is going. And I think that's actually something that plays into the favor of this show is I don't have like strong feelings about any of these matches. You know, we'll talk about the main event. Um, and shoot, I guess, I mean, we could transition into talking about that right now, but I don't think that match even is one where it's like a guarantee that Gresham is going to retain his title. Uh, there's one match we should talk about before we get to that, because that, that is our main event, but, um, Mercedes Martinez, Serena Deeb, um, we kind of talked about it briefly last week because they had a little run in and save from Martinez. Um, I don't really have much to say here. Uh, I just thought I want more Serena Deeb on my TV. And if we give her the Ring of Honor championship, it probably means she'll be on TV even more. <laughs> so, yeah, let's do that. I mean, I, I think Mercedes Martinez is someone who hasn't really gotten an opportunity to shine in a big spotlight um, really ever. Um So I'm hoping that this match is one where they get a good amount of time and that mm-hmm. she can really show what she's capable of because like her reputation is incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, I've never seen her have a, like, I think the longest match I've ever seen her have was um, that match with Thunder Rosa a few months ago. Oh, I was going to say the, um, the May young. Like, oh God. And yeah, you know, I mean, that was, it was great. She's really, really good, but I don't feel like any of the companies that she's been a part of since then um, have really, you know, given her that real opportunity. So I'm interested to see what they do here. Um, I would like the belt to stay with Mercedes Martinez. I think Serena Deeb's great, but there's lots of things for her to do. And I also don't think she's someone who needs a title. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be really good. And real quick, you know, we... We've had our complaints about how Tony has booked the AEW women's division. I'm really curious to see how he handles the Ring of Honor's women's division. And I, you know, I've been to a few Ring of Honor events. I didn't watch it regularly like you. 
how did they used to handle the women's division on their shows? Was it given so, a prominent spot or is it? Kind no, of... not at all. Um, so the they had a YouTube show that was exclusively um, women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so Women of Honor was kind of separate from the weekly television show for a long time. And then they would occasionally have feature matches on um pay-per-views or like a TV pay-per-views tape. but also like their weekly television show okay um but if you wanted to watch the women who were signed to ring of honor you watched um the youtube show um i, I know that changed after i stopped watching and they did more because like obviously roxy had her run mm-hmm. um and i missed all of that but um you know the, and, and then the the whole like diana perrazzo run with a title so yeah i mean i think it's something where almost anything is going to be an improvement over what they've done in the past Mm -hmm. um i I just still feel like it's a mistake for tony to be booking both shows like yeah (laughs) but he's got (laughs) to learn to delegate he's got to learn to delegate because i mean i think for now since they don't have a weekly tv show yet you know, it's, they're going to be doing these occasional pay-per-views probably mm. every, you know, two, three months. Maybe one, they start doing the rotation where they do it the same week as the AEW pay-per-view. But, like, for now, it's like one show every few months where he's shown that he's good at, you know, hey, this is the end goal of what we want this pay-per-view card to look like. Let's build it out. So if he has an idea of what the next pay-per-view for Ring of Honor is going to be, like people are excited about Death for Dishonor without there being like a weekly build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some Look, small for the time being, it's fine. Yeah, but, but once they it, start up, if it goes on HBO Max or whatever, like there, that's simply too much. You yeah, can't do that. Like you need people, and you would hope with a lot of the Ring of Honor veterans on the AW roster, like could you see Christopher Daniels sliding in and helping out, booking, you know. Yeah. producing half the show or something like that like he does a ton backstage already like yeah there there and there are other people out there who you could get to come in and and book your wrestling show and you, you have it like hey tony can still give you this is the general philosophy this is where the end point wants to be but you get us there like well and like even if it's like a, everything has to come through him ultimately right so it's mm-hmm. like someone else book this and then i'll check mark it and if there are things that don't line up with what I think we need to be doing, then I'm going to, you know, we're going to make some edits and, you know, it'll it'll go from there. But I don't think it's wise to have him trying to fully book two companies and like his reaction to some of the things that have gone wrong in AEW has been to like grab more control for himself. Like, mm-hmm. OK, like now this has to come through me, too. And it's like, that's not a good leadership quality. You see it a lot with billionaires, though. (laughs) Like, you know, there is a kind of, you know, the buck stops, starts and stops with me. Honestly, he needs to be a little more Vince, Vince here. Like, I know we always talk about how Vince has his fingers in every cookie jar, but like, he's not involved with every single aspect, even in the last few years. Like, they've had these, like, even if you had like a head writer for Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. head writer for AEW, it can still like, okay, we're going to run this by Tony, trickle back down, you know, but I don't know. Just 
it's yeah, you're right. He needs to be able to say, I need help and we can get, there's a lot of creative wrestling minds out there. Like honestly, well, you know, it's, you, it's, it's little stuff, right? It's like when, when Max Caster got in trouble over the joke that was in his rap and now it's like, okay, well now I have to approve all of his raps. You mean there's not another person whose judgment you trust to say, okay, you have to go to this person and they're going to approve this or not. Like that to me, like there should be somebody who can do that. Mm -hmm. Who's not Tony Khan. That is such a small thing that it should not be going to Tony Khan. And I feel like if it's supposed to be, then it's not going to happen like that because the dude's going to be too busy to do that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you have to have people like an organization needs a nice, healthy organizational chart. It can't be a whole shitload yeah. of people down here that, that all was my have fun one graduate line <laughs> going up to the person in charge. Like that just, that doesn't work. Like I've directly supervised 40 people before. It sucks. It's a nightmare trying to coordinate just, you know, 40 people. It's terrible. You want to have like some people who are even just like slightly elevated, like dotted line kind of situation. Yeah. Where you can break that out. So I do have that concern. But we're not talking about like, that. We're you know, talking about death before dishonor. I'm not sure how we got off onto this tangent, but I think it's probably my fault. So no, no, no. I asked about how the women's division could be booked and and then we kind of went from there. So let's uh, let's move on to our main event here. And Joel, we, we the, the term dream match gets thrown around a lot. I kind of think this qualifies like Jonathan Gresham, Claudio Castagnoli, Castagnoli, Cast. Claudio. We'll go with Claudio. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's like lasagna. Um, it's the same. It's, you know. Claudio. Castagnoli. Castagnoli. You know there's a G in lasagna, right? Like if you spell yes, it. Yes, I know there's a G in lasagna, but I don't say lasagna. So I exactly. Know a... that, that's exactly what I was saying. Cas- Castagnoli. Castagnoli. Okay. Um, so pulling back the, uh, the kayfabe here. According to Tony, this was the original debut for claudio uh they brought him in before um forbidden door because of the danielson injury right so this was supposed to be his debut was to be the challenger to jonathan gresham in his first match and i think if he had debuted in that fashion it'd be a lot easier to say okay gresham can beat him because he's debuting he's gonna get his build up and it's fine but i think after seeing them like touting Claudio as this huge star and putting him in big moments right off the bat. It's really hard for me to be like, Oh yeah, you know, let's just like rush and get the win and retain and, and Claudio will move on to other things. Like it feels like Claudio could be the face of ring of honor whenever it moves to some sort of weekly, either streaming or TV deal. Um, I'm very torn on this match because I love, love both of these guys and I don't want either of them to lose. Yeah, I mean, it it's it's a win and it's a loss either way, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, no matter what happens, I'm going to be excited and I'm going to be bummed, and those two feelings are going to coexist. Um, I, I think like, if I'm putting things on a scale and weighing them, and it has to tip one direction or another, I want Jonathan Gresham to to retain the title. Um, he's not like. It's not Hangman Adam Page levels of fandom for me with Gresham. 
Um, pretty close though. You've been talking close. about him for like it's two, real three close. years. It's real. Like close. when he teamed with Jay Lethal a few years ago, I remember you talking about like yeah, Jonathan Gresham's the truth here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I. It's another one. He's another guy that I bought stock in at low, low prices. <laughs> like when he was coming out and jobbing to people in Ring of Honor, and he was, you know, was scrawny wizard before he had even come up with the octopus character yeah i don't think i've ever foundation. seen him live with the octopus character i think that was just not when i went to like went to a show because i'm pretty sure we saw him with jay lethal at one of the shows in lowell yeah um but i don't think he was doing the octopus yet um no. but yeah so <laughs> i you know i'm not on the floor you know i don't usually sit floor unless i can f- sit first row so like i'm on like the third row of the lower level i think if claudio start spinning Jonathan Gresham long enough, he could get enough momentum to fling him to my section. Um, I feel pretty confident in that. So I'm excited to see when he actually locks in the big swing on Gresham. Cause it's so I think something that, that you're not thinking about is that Jonathan Gresham is the kind of wrestler who will offer you his ankle to say, go ahead, pick my ankle, see what happens. <laughs> like, it's one of my favorite things is he'll get down on the mat on his back and, and offer you his leg to be like, here, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Come watch on, swing what happens. Let's go. <laughs> so, and I, I love that. I love that kind of cockiness of my technique is so good that I'm going to give you an advantage as a means of just drawing you in and mm-hmm. snaring you in my trap. Like Gresham is another one who, if you see one good long Jonathan Gresham match, you understand his character and his style and what he does. Uh, Especially some of the things that he's done with like Terminus and his pure Mm. rules run. Um, Just so incredibly talented and insanely hard worker. Like look at photos of him now compared with photos of him just three years ago. And I showed a picture of him and Jordan Grace to, to my girlfriend and she's like, they are the most like physically imposing couple I've ever seen. Well, and like Jordan Grace, like in the past month has. Oh, yeah. Like gotten completely and utterly shredded, which like sounds crazy because of the shape she was in before. Uh-huh. But like, I think she said she <laughs> dropped 11 pounds and like it's wild. Like they're awesome. I'm yeah. such a huge fan of both of them. I know she signed through. uh with impact for a while longer, but man, I just think the bidding war between all the wrestling companies for her when her contract expires is going to be wild. You know, maybe, but I think she's happy where she is. Like, oh no, I, she's happy. Impact but, is the company I, where she can wrestle guys and do it on TV. Oh no, no, no! I, I, I know she's happy, but I'm just saying she's going to get paid. <laughs> like. Maybe it's impact. Maybe impact mm-hmm. realizes, Hey, we have to keep her at all costs. And she just breaks the bank, but you, you, you can't see her work, see her like just her presence and her following and be like, yeah, WWE is not going to offer her, you know, a million dollars a year. Her plus. feud like, with Matt Cardona was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so freaking good. And she's just incredible. So back to death before dishonor, I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking at this pay-per-view kind of like the first three months of AEW, four months. We didn't have a TV show. We just had these pay-per-views. We got debuts at almost every show, new signings. 
So I expect there to be some surprises this weekend, maybe returning people that we don't know have come back. Um, maybe some AW signings who show up here to kind of announce their ring of honor full time. Um, which, yeah, I, I'm, I just, I can't put into words how excited I am for this show. And I had to miss the GCW show a few weeks ago. Um, so I'm really excited that this show kind of just popped up <laughs> in my area. And yeah, this is probably going to be way better than GCW. Probably. I, I, you know, I think there's a decent chance given the quality of the card. Mm-hmm. So any, any closing remarks, Earl? We went a little long. Yeah, today. we're way over time. We got to get out of here. <laughs> so no closing remarks. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show. Joel at the other. Sh- I almost said Joel at the other show. <laughs> Joel at the other Joel. Mike, me and Michael underscore. And I fucked this all up. You have the podcast on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Um, I forgot something, but Joel, anything to say before I go stir my enchilada chicken dip? Uh, here's a closing remark. Join the Dark Order. Once again, bad time to join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, <laughs> life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.